Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Obviously, a lot has changed with this bunch from week one, and the quarterback is, is the biggest one. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello to everyone in Steeler Nation, and welcome to Saverin on Steelers, the podcast. I'm Stan Saverin, your hope. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoy the content on these podcasts, please let your friends, family, neighbors, whomever know that we're here. You just get us. Uh, at Steelers.com. We post up two new episodes weekly throughout the Steelers season. Um, this one, of course, comes after the loss to Cincinnati on Sunday, 37-30, to uh, a game that was close most of the way. And when you look at the difference between these two teams, obviously there are stark differences. But the Bengals last year kind of propelled themselves into an area where they found out how to win games, how to win close games at the end. The Steelers were highly competitive in this game, but just didn't do the types of things that you need to do to win games like this against a quality opponent. And the Bengals had been somewhat of a disappointment coming in at 5-4, and four, but still last year winning in the playoffs, getting to the Super Bowl as they did, losing a tight encounter to the Rams, they show that they've kind of advanced to the next level. They're not at the top level yet. Um, they've struggled this year but they had more than enough to beat the Steelers. I thought the Steelers were playing them nose to nose, but there were three areas in particular where they failed to capitalize on areas where they could have made a difference and won the game. The first came toward the end of the first half and early in the second. The Steelers won the toss and elected to defer, which most teams will do. The idea behind that, the premise of deferring, is that you're hoping that maybe you can get a late score in the second quarter, have the halftime break, and then come back, get the ball, and score on both sides of halftime. That's the idea behind that, and get momentum. The last two minutes of the first half, first two minutes of the second half or thereabouts, that can be of great value. Well, the Steelers actually did more than that. They went above and beyond because they had a touchdown drive, And then thanks to an interception by Levi Wallace, they got a chance with a little bit of offensive movement to kick a field goal going into the first half uh, intermission with a lead. The touchdown would have been more than you could have imagined, but getting the interception by Wallace, turning that into three points, that made it even better. So now here you got a lead. You've got momentum. You're the underdog at home. You're not playing particularly good football. The Bengals come in a fragile unit. They have had yet to win a division game coming in 0-3 and facing the hard, in fact, 
reality that they were down at halftime to a team that they're favored to beat. And yet, the first Steelers series, three and out. The second Steelers series, even after the defense held them, three and out. And the same for the third. That, I think, demoralized the team to a degree. Didn't mean they were out of it, but it was definitely a setback emotionally. That was a chance that really not take a stranglehold. There was a lot of football to play, but an opportunity to turn up the heat on Cincinnati. The second area where they hurt themselves, I believe, is after the amazing interception by T.J. Watt. Going up and snagging that football for an interception, much like a shot blocker would swat a ball out of the air in basketball, Watt went up and got that interception, very similar to the interception he had against Burrow in the first game of the regular season. Having been at Acrisure Stadium, the crowd was going crazy. Steelers with an opportunity to take a lead. 24-20, to 20, they're down at that point. But what happened? They gained six yards in three plays and settled for a field goal to draw them within one point at 24-23. That def- despite the fact they got points out of that, it deflated the crowd. It deflated the Steelers. And we always talk about defenses. Hey, it's a good thing if you can hold a team to a field goal as opposed to a touchdown, especially in the red zone. That's a win for the defense, and it was a win for the Bengals. The third element, the Steelers were driving for the league. Najee Harris had just run for 13 yards and a first down at the Bengal 34. But on the very next play, Pat Fryermuth was called for holding. Now, upon further review, it didn't look like much of a hold, but they called it, and that's the way that goes. So that negated a nice 13 Yard gain set them up at the 34. Now they're back first and 20 out of field goal range. On the next sequence, J.C. Hassenauer, who was in for the injured Mason Cole, gets called for being illegally downfield. Now that was a snafu because that was supposed to be a draw play to Najee Harris. And Hassenauer was blocking as if it were going to be a run. But once the handoff was botched, and that was on Najee, not on Kenny Pickett, Pickett threw the ball with Hassenauer downfield. What he should have done was just eat the ball. At least you would have saved it down because Hassenauer blocking for the run would not have been called for a legal man downfield. And that really thwarted any opportunity they had of getting back into the game and even taking control of the game, or at least an opportunity to take the lead at 27. Well, at that point, it would have been 30 to 27 if they go in for a touchdown. And those are the kinds of things that teams that aren't accustomed to winning and haven't learned how to win or aren't good enough to win, those are the little things. It doesn't always show up in the stat line. Maybe that went unnoticed by some. It didn't escape my attention. And so those may have held a false, well, wasn't a false hope going in, 
a faint hope, let's put it that way, that the Steelers, after beating New Orleans and advancing to 3-6, and six, given the jumbled nature of the AFC, that they had an opportunity to gain a wild card. And with the schedule lightening up with games at Indy and at Atlanta, Carolina still on the schedule, still a game left to go with Cleveland, they had that opportunity. But I think losing this game to Cincinnati, a game that could have been won like so many others, I think that that ship has sailed. Sitting there at 3-7 and seven, as we talk to you today, there are 10 teams in the AFC with better records than the Steelers have. And even though there's seven games left to go, that's an awful lot, too many teams to climb over. Couple that with the fact there are four teams that have three and seven records. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, you know, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but... All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. It would take going 7-0. and And this team has given no indication that they can do that. They've given no indication they can win multiple games in a row, let alone seven. And so now it seems to me the rest of the season comes down to three things. The players are going to try and the coach are going to try to win every game they play. They are trained to do that. I wouldn't expect anything less. In fact, I would be disappointed in anything less than that. But in terms of practical application, what remains is to evaluate what you have. The first lengthy evaluation would be of Kenny Pickett. Is he making progress? Is he making significant progress so that in 2023, next season, you can rely on him to be a better quarterback a more experienced quarterback, and not making the rookie mistakes that all rookie quarterbacks make. Look at Troy Aikman's rookie year. They won one game. Hall of Fame. Peyton Manning, same thing. Higher pedigree quarterbacks than Pickett. Like a Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Rookie year. Terrible losing record before he had 
the knee injury. Peyton Manning rookie year, not productive. But is he making progress so that when they begin next year, whoever the offensive coordinator might be, and I don't expect it to be the current one, will he be able to jump on that moving train? He won't be a finished product, but will he have benefited from starting three quarters of the season and getting that experience? The other element that you have to look at, it seems to me, in these remaining seven games is finding out who can help you going forward. The Steelers won't use the word rebuild. I will. But call it what you will. Remodel, redecorate, call it what you want. That's exactly what they're in right now. And so you have to evaluate Pickett, but you also have to evaluate the other players who you think will be a significant part moving forward. You cannot replace the team in one off season. Now I'm not advocating for taking longtime starters and saying, okay, you're benched. We're going with younger guys. You can't do that. It's the wrong message, but you can find a series or two for younger guys, not just rookies, but second and third year guys, putting them in, playing them when the games are on the line, games that matter and evaluating them to say, This guy can be a part of us going forward. This other guy, however, does not show he's capable. Because they're a long way away from being a playoff team. And I know that teams go worse to first. The Bengals did it. They finished last in the division two years ago last year. They're in the Super Bowl. But look at the L.A. Rams. Win the Super Bowl. Now they're currently last in their division. It can happen that quickly. The difference with the Rams is they went all in in 2021 to win it all, and they're paying the price now. So you're looking for guys who can contribute and be good players, not just okay players, good players. And if they're not, they've got to be just jettisoned in 2023. Brian Batko covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and he's done so for a few years. And so the question becomes, as he joins us now, Brian, thanks for being here. Are the Steelers in an evaluation mode from this point forward? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that, that doesn't mean that they can't, you know, win some games down the stretch here and, you know, sputter to a more respectable record, maybe even, um, you know, get to, get to nine wins because it's so muddled that, you know, anybody can beat anybody just about on any given day, probably aside from, what, five or six teams right now in the NFL and I wouldn't put anybody left on the Steelers schedule in that tier. So that that's, what's going to make it interesting still, but yeah, I mean, to, to beat anybody, the Steelers also have to play well for a full 60 minutes and play complimentary football, which obviously has eluded them far too often this season. And, you know, to the point of uh, Cam Hayward there and, and to your point, Stan coming back on the rejoin more than we've seen uh, from the Steelers under Mike Tomlin. Well, obviously, players and coaches, they want to win now. Uh, players specifically uh, aren't concerned about the draft. They don't care about the draft. They are, care about their own personal circumstance. And that means playing hard and playing well. But as you look at from the outside looking in, um, I've kind of had a two-tiered thing. That What remaining, and they're still going to try to win games, but um, a further evaluation of Kenny Pickett and subsequent evaluation of a lot of players. 
are certain players worth keeping around here as they, whether they admit it or not, are in a rebuild. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be a, a new sort of uh, evaluation for the Steelers' front office to juggle. I, you know, I think you already kind of saw that take shape a few weeks ago at the trade deadline, right? When Omar Khan, you know, he didn't punt on the season. He didn't hold a fire sale here from 3200 South Water Street on the south side. But clearly the Chase Claypool trade to the Bears for a second rounder, which the Steelers hope and, and believe will be a pretty high second rounder, placed more of a priority on the future than the present. And that's, that's unusual, arguably unprecedented for this, uh, for this franchise. So uh, I don't think there's going to be anything too drastic in terms of, uh, you know, practice squad guys being promoted in mass here in the second half of the season and uh, really kicking the tires on a bunch of people. I think they want to continue to get a longer look at this group that has them at three and seven with a couple decent wins against the likes of Tampa Bay and the same Cincinnati team, actually an even better Cincinnati team with Jamar Chase that they saw yesterday. But obviously a lot has changed with this bunch from week one and the quarterback is, is the biggest one. And yeah, they've, they've got to continue to ride it out with Kenny Pickett and see if they can be encouraged by his progress here over the final seven games. I find it interesting um, uh, as they uh, plot out their strategy um, Pickett, obviously, he's going to be the guy barring injury. But as far as the other players are concerned um, and evaluating, do you get the sense that tacitly, at least, not publicly, but the, with the Claypool trade, to me, that signaled that, yes, we've got to start thinking about the future. Not that we're ruling out anything happening this season. That, of course, was you know before uh, beating Tampa Bay and losing the Eagles and so on and so forth. But um, do you think that they've finally admitted as an organization, if not publicly, that, yes, we're in a rebuild? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, you can parse the semantics of, you know, that word. Or do, you, do you want to call it a transition year instead of a rebuilding year? I mean, sure. It's It all comes down to uh, the exact phraseology you, you want to throw out there because rebuilding, of course, has more of a negative connotation and does elicit – you know, opinions that, yeah, this, this year doesn't matter. I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there, Stan. With, I, I don't think they view it that way. I think they always look at a win as a good thing if, if that happens to come. But this whole issue of draft positioning and, you know, investing in the future more than the present, it seems like the, they are well on their way to that working itself out organically. Uh, you know, they, they can't get out of their own way with some of these, these games that they're losing. You know, yesterday in particular, they just they crumbled against, uh, I think, a team that's better, more talented, or, or certainly is right now at the most significant position. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be interest still in this stretch run because I think every, every snap, every throw, every drive, every half, every game of football that Kenny Pickett plays is relevant and is going to tell you some things about his future in this league. But for the most part, they are going to be kind of playing out the string and not involved in meaningful December football, more than likely, which is just, you know, it's not something we've seen here lately. No, it's been uh, it's been a good while and, and infrequently, too. Um, I don't know about you, Brian. I, I view this as just it's the natural of order of things in the NFL. I believe every team goes through it. I mean, even New England recently, to a degree, um, that's the way the draft is structured. That's the whole idea of it. 
uh, you lose. You get a better draft pick. Presumably, if you do your due diligence, you're getting better players and, and vice versa. Uh, so the disgrace, it comes in not necessarily going through it, but how quickly you languish in it and how quickly you're able to, to come back. And I'm just wondering, um, the picket evaluation, of course, will continue. But I'm wondering if we might see an infusion of some younger players. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm suggesting that you bench T.J. Watt or Cam Hayward <laughs> or something like that, but that maybe you see more of Loudermilk, you see more of Leal, you know, when he gets healthy, um, a little more of Montrevious Adams, because, I mean, I don't think Alou is going to be around here. Do you expect that that will be the case? Yeah, maybe to some degree, but, you know, other than a few of the names you just rattled off there to insert and replace, there, there's not a, a ton of guys in the pipeline, right? I mean, I think, you know, Mark Robinson, the inside linebacker, showed some good flashes in the preseason and obviously hasn't hasn't been active but one game this season. But he, he's a seventh-round pick. You know, you're, you kind of knew that you were going to play the long game with him if it ever pans out. You know, guys like Trey Norwood, who are younger in the secondary, we actually have seen a decent amount of them at times due to injury. And, and when you talk about receivers, you know, they're, they're pretty much already rolling with, with the, the future there, with George Pickens being as prominently involved as he's been since the start. You know, another name that I'd say maybe you, you have to carve out more of a role for going forward is Connor Hayward. Yeah. Um, he's kind of a positionless player. Um, I, I thought he'd be more involved post Claypool, but, you know, obviously was, was a spare piece yesterday. I'd say try to get him in some mismatches. See, what, what all can he do for you as a part fullback, part tight end, part slot receiver? Uh, let, let's see what your sixth round pick. It's a shame that Calvin Austin, you know, the fourth rounder who's on IR out for this entire season. It's really too bad that, you know, you can't get a long look at somebody like that here as the season gets away from you. Well, looking at, you know, what the evaluation process um, is, is going to be, um, do you think the primary area that they'd be looking at is the offensive line? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's up there. But I really think that this is going to be a draft, too, where they, they need to start restocking the defense. I mean, they, they've done it here and there, but not with high picks. And the ones that they have made have not panned out. So, I mean, you're, you're going to need probably some fresh blood at defensive tackle if Tyson Aluwalu and or Larry Ogunjobi do not return. You, you probably need a, a new guy at inside linebacker unless you're content to keep rolling the dice on, on Robert Spillane. And I think the Devin Bush ship has probably sailed for all involved, you know, cornerback too. That's, that's been their yeah. Achilles heel on defense safety, you know, Terrell Edmonds and DeMonte KZ are going to be free agents. So I, I do think that after using their last four second round picks, plus a third and a couple fourths on offensive guys in the last couple drafts, you know, they need to start, getting back to, uh, you know, rookie deal players on defense that aren't going to cost them an arm and a leg to, to build that unit. But, yeah, to your point, Stan, for sure, if there is any area on offense where you might need to invest a first or second round pick, it's, it's that O-line where even if you don't need that person to – or you don't want, ideally, that person to step in and be a starter right away as a rookie, um, you at least need to provide some more competition because right now there's just not much – in the in the offing, even if you did want to sit down a Dan Moore or, or Kevin Dotson, there's there's nobody behind them. And the last thing for you, Brian, we'll let you go. Um, I don't know about the word massive, but do you expect significant changes in the coaching staff? 
Well, I, I think Matt Canada is, is ultimately going to have to fall on the sword, and rightfully so for, for two years of a fizzling offense with four different quarterbacks uh, all kind of getting a shot to, to be the one that he unlocks. And I don't think it's all on him, but you can make the case that, that he is the main problem with the offense. And any time that's even remotely plausible, um, I, I think you, you need to take a, a hard a hard stance on what you're doing there. And, and I don't think that it's too much of an issue with Kenny Pickett's progression or growth or development. I think he's a really sharp quarterback who, who you know, the, the biggest strength for him probably is the cerebral aspect of playing the position. So I think if you get another play caller, coordinator, even offensive staff entirely in here to work with him, then, then that would be kind of another variable you can change in the Kenny Pickett experiment and have a better feel for how much of it is on him and, you know, what you need to do with that position in the long term. And a very big thanks go to Brian Batko of the Post-Gazette. Does a great job covering the team for that newspaper. By the way, you can listen to my daily talk show on ESPN Pittsburgh. That's at 970 a.m. every day, noon to 2 Eastern Standard Time. And if you can't get it over the air on 970 a.m., you can get it by downloading the iHeartMedia app. It's free. It's available. Comes in clear as a bell. We hope that you'll tell your friends and family and neighbors about our podcast. You can get that at Steelers.com. I want to wish everyone a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Hope it's a wonderful and safe holiday. We'll speak to you next time on Saverin on Steelers. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.